I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I'm joined as always. No, just kidding. Joined for the second time on the podcast. Uh, he's at Forgotten Mavs on Twitter. Mike Frailer, what you got for me? Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. And I was actually thinking about it. Um, even though this is my second time on, you, I could make a uh, an argument that it's my fourth time on because I think it took us three times to record the first time we actually did an episode. So it kind of <laughs> feels like my fourth time. Wow, way to throw that one in my face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm recording in two different places now, so we should be good this time. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I actually asked Mike uh, if he had been on before, and I just had totally forgotten because we've done so many. I just went back and looked, and we Isaac and I personally, uh, with other guests and things, have done f- over uh, 550 Lockdown Mavs episodes, which is just insane. 500 just passed us by during the – free agency time and draft and all that it's just it's wild to to see how many episodes we've done and just uh man the, the listeners have just grown so much and we just appreciate all you guys listening even during the summer i mean we've been doing five episodes a week this whole summer and people have been still tuning in so we appreciate you guys and uh shout out to the raccoon squad can't shout you guys out enough so uh but yeah. mike is on mike is on today he is at forgotten mavs on twitter uh he's found a really cool niche in uh in sports coverage he interviews former mavericks that we may have forgotten so the the niche is that they have maybe spent a very short amount of time on the mavericks what do you what's the shortest amount of time a maverick has has been a maverick that you've had on your pod i've had um chucky brown who played one game for the mavs in 93 i had him on for an episode and it's um, he made a joke about how he remembers getting an and one during the game. And so during the episode, I went and looked on Basketball Reference, and he was correct. He he took one shot, he made it, he made the, <laughs> he made his one free throw. So he's arguably the all-time leader in both field goal and free throw percentage for the Mavs. He's one for one on everything. Um, so I think I think he's the only one I've had that's one game on. And then I had a couple guys that um, maybe had a couple ten-day contracts or just played maybe like two or three games i had uh derek martin on who scored one point in mavericks history wow yeah didn't make a field goal but he did make a free throw so those are probably the two most obscure in terms of like playing time oh and i had one guy who played three games for the mavs in 91 but collectively only played like eight minutes over three games so but that was actually a really cool episode um howard wright uh 1991 that was a i really enjoyed that one so uh, yeah, you come across some guys that, uh, you know, might not be household names to NBA fans or Maverick fans at all, but they have really cool stories. And at one point in time, they were one of the best uh, best basketball players in the world. So I still really enjoy learning about them and sharing their stories with, with Mavs fans and NBA history fans. For sure. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, Scotty Hobson scored one point for the Mavericks in the full season. And uh, he had scored one point for, like, the Pacers or, or another team like that. And he's the only player in NBA history to score one point for two different teams. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's a guy that's, you should have on for sure. I've – yeah, I, I, I've definitely tweeted at him or maybe Instagrammed, <laughs> uh, DM'd him. So just usually, I mean, most guys – 
have literally no idea who I am and just ignore <laughs> my DMs. So I don't blame them at all. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So you guys can go subscribe. Uh, I know it's on. Uh, I know it's on Apple, and you can download it on other kinds of platforms too. It's the Forgotten Mavs podcast. Um, so you can get there. But today I wanted to have just a Mavs conversation with Mike, talk about the team, you know, what we thought about the off season, how he's feeling about the team going forward. I like to get uh, and um, I like to ask the same kind of questions to different people because it gives me different perspectives. Uh, we had Ruben from uh, Reddit Mavericks the other day on. You hear from Isaac and I all the time. So these these kind of these topics that you don't get to hear other perspectives on that are just big topic things. Uh, I like to do multiple times with people just to see what other people think so hopefully he has different opinions than us maybe he won't but we'll uh we'll find out my first question for you mike mm-hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll answer myself too what is your biggest concern about the mavericks going into the season maybe it's a macro thing maybe it's a micro thing a smaller you know issue that you see on this team i remember last year and a couple years before it's been rebounding that's one thing that just people say over and over this team can't rebound uh, it's kind of an issue again this year. What's a what's a big concern you have about the maps? That was going to be the first thing I said was rebounding. Um, you know, for the headaches that maybe DeAndre caused last year, I did appreciate his rebounding. It seemed like something the maps had been missing. So that's definitely something that I'm still wondering how that's going to go. And um, also, you know, two years, I guess, God, time is flying by. When <laughs> when Seth and McDermott were here the first time, was that 17? Yeah, so that wasn't last year. It was the year before, so it was 17-18. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, so I really loved their shooting. And obviously, Seth, I'm really glad that he's coming back. I'm excited about that. But I still feel like, unless there's something I'm missing, I don't think they have enough of it. Like, I loved – like, I just – I think that that's still something that's, that's missing, like, consistent outside threats, obviously um, – with Dirk gone, that's one that's missing, and Luca's kind of inconsistent with it so far. And I'm really, like I said, I'm excited that Seth is back, but I still think consistent uh, perimeter shooting threes and like volume three point shooters, I I th- think that's maybe still a void. At least that's how I feel about it right now. So that and rebounding are two big concerns I have. Yeah, shooting is an interesting one because you look at the top two players and you think, oh, Luca and Porzingis, those are two you know great shooters that can you know Luca had the second most step back threes in the entire NBA and he shot thirty six percent on step back threes, which is crazy. Porzingis <laughs> um, is you know one of the best seven foot sh- uh, big man shooters we've had in the game since Dirk, and uh, you just you look at both those guys and you say, well, they should have enough shooting, but you look at the rest of the roster and. There's a lot of theoretical shooters, right? Like There's Tim Hardaway Jr. He theoretically should be a shooter, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't shoot that well. Dorian Finney-Smith at this point in his career should be a shooter, but he's not. He theoretically is. Seth is. Um, DeLon Wright is theoretically a shooter. He's had some good stretches in his career. Uh, Jalen Brunson is a, is a solid three-point shooter, I think, at this point in his career. Maxi Kleba was, had a, a solid year last year shooting. Uh, so there's a couple solid guys. There's a couple theoretical guys, and then there's – um, there's really only three guys that that shoot the ball really really well, and that's Curry, Porzingis, and uh, and Luca. Mm-hmm. And Dwight Powell is you know we don't have to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a non-starter. Justin Jackson is another guy who is uh, who theoretically should be a shooter at this point, and uh, has had some ups and downs too in his career. And consistency is the big thing for him. But without Seth Curry, without the addition of Seth Curry, that could be a major problem for this team. That's that's how I feel about it, and like I said, so I'm obviously very glad that he's coming back. But you know, I I've been watching the the Mavs in the NBA for so long, and I I always 
like when I have guys on the team when I'm surprised that they miss. And I feel like Seth falls mm. into that category. And McDermott definitely fell into that court category in the short time he was here. I feel like he was on fire for those two months or however long it was. The way people uh, talk about McDermott now that he's gone, he was just like the greatest shooter that ever that ever lived. He shot 50% or something, didn't he? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it, I know it was insanely high. And so, you know, maybe Porzingis will fall into that category and, and Luca might get there. Um, you know, um, that's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah, so it, that's definitely a concern that I have. But you know, maybe hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised or some guys have taken a, uh, a step in the right direction. I know Maxi got a little better. Dwight found his groove a little bit last year after a pretty oh, here, uh, here rough we go. start. So, here we go. Dwight. <laughs> I'm just, I'm talking myself into uh, way too much optimism. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. No, it's just the February, <laughs> March, April Dwight. That's just, it's, it's what yeah. we get every single year. Hopefully it's going into a playoff run and I'll eat my words and be like, I'm so glad we have February, March and April Dwight. Because he always just steps his game up, just ten steps. <laughs> he yeah. such a better player. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you talk about shooting, though, you're thinking about the dynamics of the court and the geometry of a court, and you're trying to occupy different spaces. When you want shooters, you want uh, you know guys that can stand in the corner and can can space the floor. But with Porzingis and Luca, they kind of occupy the wings and the top of the key, and so you want sort of a a guy at the bottom. You're spacing the floor in a different way when you, your two best players are shooters. And uh, I just wonder how that's gonna gonna look because we haven't seen those two guys play together yet. And uh, Luca just, I mean, Luca takes the top off of a defense in a way that nobody else in you know Mavericks, maybe Mavericks history, has ever done. Yeah, he absolutely does. And you're right about obviously not seeing them together yet. So that's just something I'm really excited about. I mean, even if um, shooting is still a concern, I think they'll Luca and Porzingis will do enough to where maybe that kind of overtakes any concerns that Mavs fans have, but it'll definitely be something I'm keeping an eye on um, as the, as the season goes on, because I think you and Isaac were talking about it, or maybe it was you and Ruben recently, just about like how many points do we want uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. to average? That was a question you guys. So <laughs> yeah, that was like, a question it, I was going to, that was a question I was going to ask you. So, uh, okay. <laughs> go, yeah. I'll, I'll hit that one in a second. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like I'm wondering like how much of the the volume of shots is he going to take um, when when everyone's healthy and when they're all playing together. So I guess it, it's just I'm going to try to be patient, wait and see, and uh, cross my fingers and, and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more with Mike on the Mavericks, what we see for them going into the season, and uh, if he would be disappointed if the Mavericks finished with a 41 and 41 record. All right, Mike. So, uh, you're you're talking earlier about my uh, my famous Tim Hardaway Jr. question. It's the question I'm gonna, just going to ask everyone until the season starts. <laughs> Would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. average eight points a game or eighteen points a game? Right at this moment, I think eight is is my my answer. Um, and it's mainly just because like we've. Because Luca and, and and Porzingis will be getting the share of the like the bulk of the points, and I think if um, if Tim Hardaway Jr. just focuses on like what he can do rather than trying to do a little too much, I think eight maybe as high. I might be willing to give him a little leeway up to twelve points, um, but you know I, I don't think he needs to be the the second leading scorer. Maybe I, you know or 
or third. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I I'd rather have have him much closer to the eight mark than eighteen. What about this angle? What if eighteen points a game from Tim Hardaway Jr. at least to start the season allows him to be a trade ship where you can actually move him? If that if that ends up being a realistic possibility, then then yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously he's going to have to step his game up or step points up if if they do a load management schedule with with Porzingis. So um, yeah, I mean, if they if he wants to if like if that's in the Mavs plans, then I'm all for it. You know, um, it, it might go into what kind of final record we would like the Mavs to shoot for if you know pending. Uh, health for everybody so I guess that's kind of how I feel about it at the moment um, yeah if they can make way or um, make him available and somehow trade him for for like, any, really any, any, anything, anything. <laughs> yeah that's where I was going um, <laughs> then yeah I mean I, I'm all for that I mean they they traded four-fifths of the starting lineup last season so if, <laughs> if they trade Tim Hardaway Jr. I won't I won't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just going to be interesting where he plays too. I'm I'm just not sure where he he ends up on the team. Uh, where how are you feeling about where he he plays? You think he's the the fifth starter? Do you think he comes off the bench? Do you think that he's you know third um, string? Do you think that he's maybe in a two guard lineup with like Brunson and I don't, and Curry? I guess at that point. Yeah, I, I at the moment I I think he. Like I don't think he he should be a starter. That's not to say that he like couldn't do it, obviously. But I just I think he would be better off the bench, um, just in turn better for the team. Uh, you know, having a a capable scorer coming off the bench is always a always a good thing. And um, so that's that's where I'd like to see him at least at the beginning, and and then just kind of go from there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that we talk about him a lot. I feel like on this podcast because he's a very polarizing player for the Mavericks. He's making twenty million dollars this year, mm-hmm. and I mean twenty million dollars is a lot, but that obviously means he has talent at least somewhat, right? Like somebody saw talent in him, and, and even though it's the Knicks front office that you know that he showed an ability on a basketball court, and sometimes we talk about him like he doesn't have any. But when Tim Hardaway <laughs> Jr. came in, I remember us being you know surprised at his athleticism uh, and happy to see that it was another guy that could get a shot off in a tough situation and other than Luca, there's really not a lot of guys that can do that on his roster either I think he he fills that in uh in a way that you know a lot of, of players can't so I don't want people to think that we're just crapping all over Tim Hardaway Jr. but he is a very polarizing figure and we have no idea what what Carlisle is planning for him and I think those first these first 10 games of the season are going to really be be telling for Tim Hardaway Jr.'s fate I guess <laughs> it's yeah fate, like, too strong of a word no, no, I I agree, and I'd have to go back and look. How many games did he play here last year? Because I know he had a, a shin injury, right? So he wasn't actually playing for the Mavs all that long. Was it like a month, maybe? I think I, he I, play, I think he played. Thir- I'm looking it up, but I think he played like 30 games or so. Oh, gee, yeah. No, it was 19. You're right. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, I I didn't think it was too many, but even even 19 is. I thought it was more like. 15 which isn't that much different i guess but yeah like um, the last 10 games of the season he didn't play he sat out oh, okay okay so you know i guess that's a not too big of a sample size and now it'll be you know with a whole different dynamic with with porzingis but um like i i think he can definitely help as long as he just stays within like his <laughs> like plays at his strengths and right um yeah so we'll, we'll see how it goes i mean i i 
it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't know how else to phrase it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. it's kind of that Tim Hardaway Jr. is a very wait and see kind of player at this point in the offseason. That's there's exactly not, yeah. There's just not a lot more that we can talk about with him. Um, with Porzingis though, there's a lot of things we can talk about. And here's something I, I'm am thinking recently, and I I want to get your opinion on. So Dirk Nowitzki is the goat, right? We saw that <laughs> that post the other. Did you see that post the other day where somebody made a graphic? They spent all this time making a graphic to say who's the best player in Dallas Mavericks franchise history, and yes, everyone just did see that. jumped all over it and said, "What are you doing? What's the point of doing this? Why isn't it just <laughs> second best player? I mean, what's the point of even doing that?" So, but Dirk is always going to be in the top spot. I mean, okay, well, let's start with this. It's a layered question now. What would Luca have to do to take over that spot? Oh gosh, um, it's a hard one. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about recently. Is what would what would Luca have to do? I mean, he would have to win a title, at least one, right? At least one, and probably two to take the spot over from Dirk. Probably two, and yeah, and then obviously a couple MVPs, um, and not losing the first round. Not losing the first round. And I was going to say MVP. something. I was going to say something about that. And then also, you know, I think, and not to say he couldn't do it, and it seems like he has a personality like to where he might be capable of doing it, but Dirk did such a great job of just endearing himself to the fans, like mm. um, in a class by himself in terms of that. So, like, reg- like just separating that from everything he did on the court, which was incredible. Like, he just, you know, he was – even like casual NBA fans probably liked Dirk. And so yeah. I, I just, I think that's a factor to it, but then, it, and then there would have to be a whole lot more playoff success. And I was talking about this on the, the hoops and, and Hefeweizen's uh, podcast the other night, there was a, uh, we were talking about some of the playoff success and it, it's crazy to think about that. You know, after 2006, when the Mavs made the playoffs, there were only two more seasons after that, that they won a playoff series. So between 20, 2006 and 2019, they won a playoff series in 2009 and then 2011 when they won everything. But wow. no That's... other years did they win a playoff series. So you could make a case that like the last two-thirds of Dirk's career outside of 2011, there really wasn't a whole lot of playoff success, which I don't think I, – I never really thought about it until I looked at it. But So I think Luka would have to have a – Extended a long run. string of consistent playoff appearances, winning a series, um, winning multiple titles, endearing himself to the fans, and obviously staying here his whole career too. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a lot to put on, yeah. put on especially yeah. in this this NBA. But yeah, to, and uh, even then, I don't even know if if uh, he could do it. But we see, we'll see. There would have to be a, a big influx of fans, which we've already seen. You know, a lot of. Uh, like the, the like the uh, the Maverick subreddit has seen an influx of fans just because of Luca. Our podcast has greatly benefited from Luca Doncic, you know, coming onto the Mavericks, uh, just from the influx of fans from overseas and just you know domestically, just a lot of people interested in Luca. He he has a chance to be more. He he has a chance to draw more eyes, I think, than Dirk did, especially since everyone can watch every game now. And uh, I think. Man, this might be a hot take. Luca has a chance to be the best player in the NBA, where I don't think Dirk ever did because of the era he played in. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a, a hot take, but there's probably some some truth to that because you know, given how good he is at such a young age, um, how well his game is suited for today's NBA, and yeah, so we'll 
we'll see how, how that happens. But yeah, Dirk never, probably never had that. He might have been the best for like, obviously a, a playoff run or for a couple months, like yeah. for certain stretches. I mean, but yeah, yeah I mean, 2011, be, he, was the be- yeah. he was the best player on the court at that point. But Yeah, but in terms of like being consistently voted like an all-star starter, yeah. being, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that happening for Luca, but it, it would definitely, it's going to, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of work to get there. But yeah, I, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of, realm of possibility. And so then I layer it to my next question and uh, mm-hmm. actually let's take a quick break. And when we come back, my next question will be this. So if that's what Luca has to do in order to gain, you know, the Mavericks fans favor, where does where does Porzingis have space to into the, in the hearts of Mavericks fans? Like, what space could he occupy, and what what level could he reach with the Mavericks to become a beloved Maverick for all time? So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about what Porzingis can do over the course of his career to become, you know, beloved by Mavericks fans. All right, Mike. So. Luca, we just talked about, has to do all these different things <laughs> to be able to become the most loved Mavericks player. So, what space can Porzingis occupy for for Mavs fans? Like, what is the ceiling for him? I mean, he's gonna be if he if he pans out, and Luca pans out, he's gonna be the third best Maverick, right? Like, <laughs> that's the highest he can go. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I agree. That's that's the highest he could go. Um, well. One, I mean, I guess I wouldn't call him injury prone. I mean, he's only had the one major injury so far, right? It could just be like, so I don't think his health is necessarily he's, a huge concern. Is it? Is, has he had anything major besides the ACL, which is a, obviously a major thing? But I'm just thinking of like year over year. Yeah, he he just does the he has the Anthony Davis type stuff, where it's just these things here and there, and like Anthony Davis hasn't missed uh, as much of a season as Porzingis did, obviously, but he just has these things here and there where he just is out for this and out for that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a concern for sure, but I don't know if it's as big a concern as everybody talks about, but it's outside of the, the ACL for sure. Okay. So one thing I was just thinking about when you asked that question is, and it's obviously he was on a lower level tier, but when, when Michael Finley stepped aside to let mm. Dirk and Nash grow, and had no problem doing it, sacrificed his ego, probably sacrificed some money, but was still like an, an excellent complimentary piece to some budding talent. Um, I I think Porzingis, at the moment, you know, before we've seen him play, might have to be willing to defer to Luca at times. Um, I think that would endear himself to the fans and be willing to accept a a uh, a second. Like kind of be the second main guy. Um, I, I think that would go go a long way. You know, he he's coming here into a new situation with a with the, with the basically the face of the franchise now, with Luca being the face of the franchise. So, I think that would be something he would have to do. At least that's how I feel about it at the moment. Um, staying so healthy like, is one. Sorry. So like what? Lakers fans, obviously, there's just this irrational love of Kobe, and. But Pau Gasol came in, and without Pau Gasol, they wouldn't have won those titles. So there is this this love of Pau Gasol with Lakers fans that, you know, trumps a lot of other players. Uh, <laughs> you think he could? He has to become that kind of kind of guy, where he has to step aside and let Luca be the main guy, or do you think he could overtake Luca ever as as you a know, loved Mavericks figure? No, that's I didn't think about that, but that I really like that example you provided because you know Pau came in after really not 
experiencing much uh, success in, in Memphis. Um, I mean, he had individual, but not team success right. and, um, and came in and just fit so well, seamlessly with Kobe. And there's no, absolutely no way they don't win those two titles without Powell. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, a great example of what I would like to see from, from Porzingis, someone that fits in, um, can, can play well, can still is very capable of dominating and you know especially if if Luca's out for the time being or having an off night someone that, that the Mavs can definitely go to and can definitely still put up 20 25 points a game easily but you know still knows that it's Luca's team and um, things of that nature so you know I really like that example so I think if he comes here fills that role stays healthy and and you know, really commits himself to the team, which which I think he did by signing his contract. You know, I think that those could all fall into place, and you know, he could really um, cement himself as one of the greatest Mavericks ever, depending on how successful they are in the playoffs. Yeah, the playoff success is, is huge for this this franchise, as far it, as it is. Play. Yeah, um, I think the uh, I think fans are growing a little impatient. <laughs> Ooh, you're about to say spoiled. Uh, I mean, we were spoiled <laughs> at one point, but it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Dirk is Dirk, man. That it's it's just insane to think about what Dirk did for his entire career and to be with one team for the entire. I mean, he could have gone to a different team like some of these guys are doing now and go win. He probably could have gone and won another title if he became the second guy. You imagine how good Dirk would be if he, you know, was the second guy on a team ever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was like the thing for every Mavs offseason was like, I don't know, maybe since like 2013, they kept saying we need to, we can't have Dirk be our best player anymore. And he was still like the best player on his team, like the last third of his career when that wasn't the Mavericks goal. Um, so yeah, if he had gone somewhere and was the, the second best player on a team, I mean, he would have, he would have thrived in that role. I mean, and so, but you know, he was so loyal here and played his heart out for Dallas. So that was obviously very much appreciated by me and all and all Mavs fans. But yeah, had he gone somewhere else, like he would have experienced a lot more team success in the last seven or eight years of his career. You you covered or not covered, but you just you've followed Dirk's career a lot more closely than I have over your life. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Dirk was miscast as a number one guy? Do you think he should have uh, you know eventually been a number two guy in his career? Do you think that? He, you know, fulfilled the number one guy in, in 2011, and that that proved forever that he should have been number one guy. Oh, I I think he absolutely should have been the the number one guy. Um, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is just go back and and look at, you know, Dirk's young young Dirk highlights and in his prime, and he I mean he was incredible, and I think, <clears throat> I mean there was no doubt that that he could do it. There was some things that you know got in the way obviously whether it was that injury in 2003 or um them taking a couple of years to kind of gel again after once nash left for for phoenix and then there was that one year that they just kind of cobbled together a team with antoine jameson and antoine walker finley dirk and nash which was offensively a good team but you know it, it never quite felt right so i think there were some years in this prime that you know the, the surrounding cast wasn't that great, but he was absolutely a number one guy. Um, that lineup and, would have been would have killed today in today's NBA. 
Yeah, I like Jamison a lot. You know, he he won Sixth Man of the Year here, but uh, you know, Walker was a, another story. But he, Walker is someone I'm trying to get on the podcast, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, bet if, um, I bet if you offer up to, uh, I bet if you offer some compensation, I think you would do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. If I had that's, something to give him, I'd probably offer it. <laughs> it's wild that that's that's what that guy's known for now. Is just that he got, he, the the documentary and just everything. He's the broke athlete now. You know that he he squandered all that. That's just it's it's crazy what your legacy can become after the fact. After you've done all that, you worked your whole career. I mean, he played forever too. He played for a long time for a bunch of different teams, and that's what he's known for now. That's true. That's true. Um, but in terms of uh, of Dirk being the second guy, I mean, I think that would have been the ideal role for him. Probably, maybe starting in like the 2015 season, um, mm. but. And, and I guess he kind of was maybe when Monte was here, the second guy you could maybe make. I think Monte Yikes. led the team in scoring one of those years. Yeah. Um, so, which, you know, that obviously didn't really translate to a whole lot of success. But um, I, I think he, he would have thrived in a in a more successful environment where he was the second guy the last third of his year, career. But, he you know, he didn't want to do that. And uh, obviously, Mavs fans appreciated that. And, you know, the last few years, even though – there wasn't a whole lot of team success at all. Like it, when Dirk was out there, it still was special and um, something that I'll always remember. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to his last game at the AAC. So that was mm. something I'll, I'll never forget. And so even though, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of team success, I'm forever grateful that it, it worked out the way that it did. And he was here for 21 years. And um, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't change anything. No. Yeah. And I think he was definitely a number one guy. I think that, he could have definitely thrived as a number two guy. He's one of those few, few uh, number ones that could become a number two just because of how unselfish he was and because of how you know his game was and the style that he played. But he could absolutely take that number one spot, and he did. And he was best player on a team for, whew, I don't know, eighteen years. I mean, yeah, <laughs> almost you, like you, up until the yeah, end. <laughs> yeah, you you could you could make that case. Uh, so it, you know, it was it was such a fun ride, and I I'll. I'll miss him forever. I don't know how else to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> Until Luca takes his spot as the number, That's true. As the number That's one true. guy. That's Mike, true. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining me on the show today. You guys can follow Mike at Forgotten Mavs. You can also subscribe to his podcast and listen to some great stories. Go back and listen to the archives. That's definitely a podcast where you can listen to archives of you know former Mavericks. Okay, yeah, I was going to say one of my one of my podcast guests, former Mav Walter Bond, who played for the Mavs in '93. He's going to be. In Dallas this weekend at the Bards and Noble on Sunday, at, I believe at one o'clock in the afternoon, doing a book signing. He's actually now a Hall of Fame motivational speaker, and um, his speeches are on YouTube. They're fantastic. And so, and his his wife gave me a heads up and let me know he was going to be here. So I'm actually going to go meet him and take a uh, probably buy his book as a like as a thank you for coming on the podcast. And I'm, I'm excited to meet him and, and I want to read it too. And so, if there's any lifelong Mavs fans that are listening, just wanted to let y'all know that Walter Bond's going to be in Dallas, and he's a great guy, and uh, like I'm excited to meet him in, in person. There you go. If you want to meet an actual forgotten Mav, you can go meet him and uh, and meet Mike too. So there you go. Uh, you can go meet him there. Again, you can subscribe to his podcast anywhere. You can go back and listen to that episode, I'm sure, in the archives. And uh, and if you don't know who that is, you can go back and listen and find out who that guy was. So there you go. Guys, we'll be back. Uh, I hopefully will be back on Monday. Uh, I am currently living in Florida on the East Coast, and there's a hurricane coming through, so we should be okay, but we'll uh, we'll see. Isaac will be holding down the fort. Isaac's like on a beach right now. I don't know what Isaac is doing, so he's like somewhere uh, on vacation or something. But 
he will be back at least. And uh, when I get everything sorted back, I'll be back. We're, we're sticking strong. We're almost to September. It's uh, it's crazy that the NBA season is coming. Training camps are going to be right around the corner. So we're almost there, guys. But thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Locked on Maps.